Welcome to It's a Mindset, the podcast where we embark on a transformative journey to enhance your worth, wealth, and well-being. I'm Emma Lagalo, a wealth and mindset coach, and I'm here to guide you. In each episode, we explore the power of your mindset, featuring inspiring guest interviews, tips, and insights. Are you ready to dive in and discover that anything is possible when you put your mind to it? Have you ever found yourself at a crossroads, uncertain about life's path? In episode seven of It's a Mindset, we embark on a profound exploration of life's big questions with none other than the incredible Bernard Cates. Join me in a transformative conversation with Bernard, a seasoned mindset and leadership coach who has been a valued mentor of mine as I studied life coaching in 2021. And still to this day, I am learning and growing with other life coaches led by Bernard. From his early days as a radio officer in the British Merchant Navy to overcoming personal challenges like marriage separation, Bernard shares his unique journey of a self-discovery and the pursuit of purpose. As a fellow mindset coach, I deeply resonate with Bernard's insights. We discuss the transformative power of soul searching, meditation and facing life's biggest questions to find clarity and purpose. Bernard's story is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the profound impact of mindset work. Stay tuned for valuable takeaways, including Bernard's evolution, the role of meditation in his latter life and the importance of service aligning with core values. If you're ready for a journey of self-discovery and exploration, this episode is a must listen to begin 2024 feeling inspired about how you can live your best life. Share your takeaways on Instagram and tag us at Emma Lagalo, and you can check out Bernard Kate's website or connect with him on LinkedIn. Your reflections might just inspire someone else's transformative journey. Tune in, stay connected, and let's explore the path to purpose together. Hi, Bernard. Thank you so much for joining me today on It's a Mindset. I'm really elated that you're here to join me today. Hi, Emma. Great to be here. Yeah, it's um, a little bit, I guess, about Bernard. And you're my first male guest, actually, which is it's, it's exciting. I really do want to make sure that this podcast is for everyone. And you, I would say, has have been quite a mentor for me. Uh, we met when uh, I was studying life coaching in the through ecology, which is where I studied. And uh, Bernard was a bit of a leader in that group and he set up quite a few uh, practice sessions and really helped me, supported me so much to for my coaching. And so I'm yeah really elated that you've agreed to come on and I'm sure that everyone is gonna be able to hear your perspective and they'll really enjoy hearing about that too. Well, that's great, Emma. It's good to see you actually making some progress now with with what you've decided to do after the life coach training and the other things that the, that you did so good to see the podcast coming together too I'm keen to see how that develops yeah thank you I, I am as well I'm very excited to see you know the doors that's going to open the people I'm going to meet and the new perspectives and all of that but enough about me this is about you and talking about you know what your mindset and on all of that. So I have a few questions that I'm sort of basing the episodes around. And so the first one is, can you tell us a little bit about your background, your life journey, and any pivotal moments that shaped who you are today? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the story is huge. So stop me if I'm going on for too long. But <laughs> basically, I started my working career in um, oh, a long, long time ago um, when I, I was a radio officer in the Merchant Navy um, back in the day, back in the day when we were still using manual Morse code, believe it or not. That was even, well, it wasn't that long ago. It was the late 1970s, early 1980s. Um, and I did that for a few years. Um, traveled the world, met a lot of people, um, and effectively, that was the, my first real um, challenge to really step out of my comfort zone. Because before that, I'd grown up in a small town in the south of England um, and um, had never really been anywhere or done anything. Um, and when I started to travel, um, not only uh, was it brought home to me that there is a great big scary world out there, but it's full of people. And those people might look scary, but actually, when you get to know them, when you get to actually interact with them, what you discover is that they're human beings just like me, just trying to do the best they can to live their lives in the best way that they possibly can. And that was the, the first lesson that life taught me way back when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, um, 20 years old, wet behind the ears, knew nothing but, you know, learning about life. And so that, I think, was was one of those moments that said to me, um, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, being prepared to actually say, I know that's scary, but it looks interesting. Um, and if I do that, I'm going to learn something. Well, you know, that 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 then was one of those things that, that, that led me to do the things that I did later in my life. Wow, that's a really incredible start to life and start to travel as well. I mean, really jumping in the deep end. You know, yeah. we think my going into traveling was, you know, hopping on a plane and heading off to the UK and putting a backpack on and wandering around. But that was very, a very different experience. So was that your choice to enlist? Yes, it was. I, I, I had made a decision when I was about 14 or 15 that um, growing up um, as a carbon copy of my father was just not something I was going to do. I looked at him and the other men of his generation and I thought, no, that's not me. <laughs> that would drive me insane, and I wasn't going to do it. So I had all the. I was looking around for you know options for what what can I do? What how can I get out of here? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And joining the merchant navy was actually one of the things that that struck me as being a, a good option because it it uh, it's not military. It doesn't have the military discipline. Um, but it still gave me the opportunity to build a career and to actually travel the world, to get out of my small hometown and to actually move around the world and to, to see some different things. And I certainly did. I got myself into some very interesting places. Um, I was in Beirut in 1977, just as the civil war was getting underway there. I was in Iran in 1979, just after the Islamic revolution there. And those sorts of things that you know, life experiences that you wouldn't really get any other way. But it all—it was all—it all came down to the people. It was all about the people, uh, people I, I worked with, and also the people that I ran into uh, in those various uh, countries and those various places around the world. So, I think you know that was the thing that woke me up to the, the fact that people are interesting, and so that's kind of led me um, on the the direction that I've taken from there on. 
Wow. Yeah, that's it's incredible. And it shows you have always had quite a good level of self-awareness, even to understand that you didn't want to follow in the same footsteps as, as your dad. And then, yeah, to go off and make your plans like that. So, yeah, wonderful. That's a very interesting story about you that I did not know. So a little bit of a lighter, more of a sort of icebreaker question is what is one unusual or adventurous thing that is on your bucket list? <laughs> Things I would like to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done an awful lot in my time. And, you know, my bucket list is looking quite short these days. Um, but, you know, there there are a few things that I haven't yet done. Uh, and mostly they're, they're, in, um, they're things like um, I would really like at some point to go to Egypt and check out the pyramids and all of that, you know, the, 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 the history there uh, would be just something else, I think. I'd, I'd really like to do that. So at some point, perhaps when things are a little more politically stable in that part of the world, we might uh, we might think about that. But other than that, you know, travelling um, hasn't really got the same sort of allure for me that it might have had a few years ago because, you know, I've kind of been there and done that. <laughs> the other thing I would like to do, of course, is to travel a bit more here within Australia and to, to sort of explore a bit of this country. This is this place is huge um, and there are a lot of places uh, within Australia that I haven't seen yet. So, you know, there's there's a lot of that that, uh, that I would like to do too. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm 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 fairly happy with where I'm at in my life at the moment. Oh, that's yeah, wonderful to hear. And yeah, Egypt is also somewhere I would like to go. And I think that would be incredible to experience the culture and also travel around Australia. Uh, lots of people I see at the moment going to visit uh, Uluru, and I would love to do that at, at some point in in my life. So yeah, sounds like we've got a little bit in common there. <laughs> That is one that I've de I've done. I've been to Uluru and uh, the other parts of, of Central Australia there. But one thing I would say, if you're going to go there, take a hat with a fly veil on it. <laughs> Flies? What? <laughs> Never yes. seen anything like it. Wow. Okay. Because I know that, I mean, the flies at the moment, I, I, I'm finding it a, a bit annoying. <laughs> so I, I'm sure, okay, that's a good tip. I will remember that because, yeah, there's nothing worse than swallowing a fly. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> oh, maybe there's a few things worse, but it's not great. <laughs> All right. So now moving into um, habits and, and mindset and re resilience. And I really feel like habits are the foundation of, of cultivating positive mindset. So do you have any rituals or practices that enhance your overall well-being and personal growth? Oh, yeah. I, I, I have a, a daily practice of um, Vipassana meditation. Um, I generally sit for an hour first thing in the morning, um, and that uh, sets me up for the rest of the day. So I've been doing that probably oh, a little over 10 years now, uh, since I, I did the first 10-day um, Vipassana um, meditation course um, up at Blackheath, actually, in the Blue Mountains uh, here. Um, I went on that with a kind of feeling, hmm, I'm not sure about this, 10 days of noble silence and sitting, meditating 10 hours a day, starting at 4.30 in the morning. I was like, oh, about that. But actually, um, I found that it actually established a habit uh, of, of sitting every day. And I find that really, uh, really worthwhile to actually just relax and focus on what's important and remember who I am and what I'm doing here. So 
that I found really, really helpful. But that, that also has helped to cultivate a habit of mindfulness, or just awareness of the present moment. You know, where are you? What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling right now, right here? Uh, and just, just stay focused on that. Because I think one of the reasons that people get themselves into trouble often is because they're, they may be physically in a situation, but mentally they're somewhere else entirely. When you see people walking around in the world like that, and you think, where is that person? You know, physically they're here, but where the, where's, where are they mind? I don't know. It's really worrying when you see them driving cars like that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I hear you. And I, I was just reading one of your blogs actually about um, artificial stupidity. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's part of it as well, isn't it? Where we're just so um, numbing ourselves with looking at our phones and watching television and, or yeah, fixated on the past and all the future, worrying about the future and not uh, thinking about the present. And it's only in the present, I think that we can be truly mindful and yeah, think about, you know, what, how we're feeling and what's going on for us at, at that point. Yeah, exactly right. Well, the past is history, the future's a mystery, and all we've got is right now. It's a present, you know, it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, use it like that, appreciate it. Yeah, but we do need, I think, tools to help us to to cultivate that. And I, I have tried that um, Vispana meditation after we talked about it, and, yeah, it's it's good. Ten days, no speaking, that would have been hard for you, Bernard. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't. I was quite surprised, mm -hmm. um, but it, it wasn't hard at all. I mean, some people, oh, well, you know, you go on a, a course like that and, and the ones that really can't take it probably run screaming from the meditation center on about day three. But for everybody else, you know, the ones that actually do get it, it isn't hard. It isn't hard at all. And actually it becomes, the, the difficult bit is often coming back to the real world afterwards. So there is at least a half day um, where um, talking, speaking is allowed. In fact, it's encouraged because, you know, it's about saying, OK, we're done with the course now and we're going to uh, come back to the real world before we actually go out through the gate and resume our, our, our daily life. But, you know, after a while, uh, in, you know, just being in, in your own company and uh, just spending that time in uh, introspection and, and meditation, um, it does take a bit of a change of a mental shift of gears to actually come back to to the real world and to uh, to 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 lit, start picking up and and living in your day to day life again. But, Did you have um, any mindset shifts during that ten days? Um, no. What I discovered was that um, it confirmed for me a lot of stuff that I already knew. Um, so, if you like, it, it it gave me a bit more confidence um, in in what I had learned previously before I actually came across the idea of, of doing something like this before I started to uh, to get into to meditation at all but you know that's one of those things that uh, your life has a way of teaching you lessons as you go along and so the trick is to pay attention <laughs> you know unfortunately um, what happened to me was what happens to so many other people that you know through my uh, 30s uh, 20s 30s um, I was focused on work and building a career and doing all those sorts of things and not so much focused on uh, the important stuff of, of life you know what what's life about and where am I going um, and what am I doing um, so 
you know, I, 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 um, I was over 40 or 40, 41, I think. Um, I had one of those times in my life when, you know, life turns around and gives you a good hard kick in the guts. Um, and that's what happens if you don't pay attention. And I hadn't been, I was too busy. And, and uh, I came home from work one day to discover uh, that my wife had left, had taken the children and had gone back to England, gone back to her mother. Um, she didn't bother to tell me about it first. Um, uh, but, you know, that's one of those things that looking back on it, of course, at the time, I blamed her. She was the worst person in the whole world. You know, she shouldn't have done that to me. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a victim and you know, all of those sorts of things. But looking back on it, I'm at least as much to blame for that situation as she is. <laughs> you know, I wasn't there. Physically, I was there, but where was I mentally? I have no idea. I was off somewhere else entirely. And, you know, that's what happens if you're not paying attention and you're not really um, present and, and, and putting yourself uh, there into the, in, where you need to be. So that was one of those things that, that actually gave me, I, I liken it to a control-alt-delete situation, you know, back in, in computer terms. It was a restart because everything I thought I knew about myself had turned out to be wrong. Yes, that would have been, um, yeah, a huge shock to, and your way of responding to that now is, is really incredible because I, from even my perspective, I'm thinking, surely, you know, she could have told you she was going to do that before, you know, she just did. Uh, and yes, but I can see that you've, done a lot of deep soul searching around it and you can see that you know it took two to tango as they say and yeah so did you end up following them back to the UK or no because I knew that if I went back to the UK again I was going to be miserable mm. um, there was a whole um, sequence of events that happened before that I moved to Australia in, in 1995 um, with my wife and two children um, my kids had been born um, in the UK. Um, my daughter was born in the UK. Actually, my son was born in Hong Kong. I had a, a couple of years there, um, 1988 to 1990. But in 1990, I went back to the UK uh, with the intention of settling there. Um, that was it. You know, we were going to be no more travelling. We're going to be based in the UK and we're going to build a career there. Well, I hadn't been there more than about two months when I realised I actually can't live here. I cannot live in this place. Um, partly it was to do with the climate. Uh, it was cold. It was wet. It was dark. And I, thought, oh, I hate this. <laughs> and partly it was to do with the people. You know, here in Australia, we joke about whinging palms, but it's true. It's true. It's a sweeping generalization. But, you know, my family, well, I've got two brothers um, at the time. Um, my father was still alive. My, my mother was still alive. They're like that. There is no um, everything that comes up. There has to be some negative element to it. There's always a yes, but. Mm. And it was stifling. It was dragging me down. And I didn't like it at all. And with too many of those sorts of people about, and I thought, right, I'm out of here. Let me see. What can I do? Well, no, I, I had been traveling, of course, because I was still working um, in the export side of the business I was working for. And I came to Australia in about 1992 or 93, and I set up a, um, uh, a distribution arrangement with a company based in Sydney. So I was over here quite often on business, visiting them. Uh, one time, I think it was 1993, I was over here um, 
and uh, the managing director of the company pulled me aside and he said, you interested in coming to work for us? <laughs> so I, I thought about it for about five seconds. <laughs> that was and the I universe. Said, yeah. I said, well, well, yeah, let's do that. Um, so um, I did actually go back and I talked about it with my wife and we we kind of talked about our, our options and we, we, we agreed that actually it would be a good move, um, you know, because um, I had more career prospects if I moved to Australia. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, often, um, you know, I was thinking about the kids too. Um, they were young. My son was um, five and my daughter was three at around this time. And I'm kind of thinking, well, they're growing up and they're going to want a future. They're going to want careers and all the rest of it. Um, how are they going to go if we stay in the UK? I said, well, prospects not that wonderful over here. So move to Australia. Well, they give give them a few more opportunities. So so we did that. But uh, that was 95. I moved over here and uh, never looked back. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be going back to the UK again. Uh, but I knew that, you know, once... Um, that breakup had happened and uh, they were back in uh, back in the uk I, I did go back and i visited and i thought this isn't going to work you know if i go back to the uk i'm not going to be with them anyway um, and i'm just going to be miserable so stayed in australia and yeah. um, i restarted my life it was like a complete absolute uh, a complete restart so yeah, well, yes, I'm, I'm sure without a doubt it would have been really challenging for you at that time. And uh, but I, I hear you. My grandfather is was is British. He's yeah no longer here. But yeah, he I, I hear with the negative the negative bias in in some sometimes about things. And yeah, at the end of the day, we really have to do the things that are going to yeah make us have a life that we, we, we enjoy and where we're going to thrive and be the best version of ourselves. So I, I can yeah, resonate with your decision-making around, around all of that. And I'm glad that it uh, worked out for you. And I, I believe you met your wife your, not long after that. Yeah, I did. And um, I went through a pretty, pretty dark time um, there uh, for, for a year or so. Um, and I found myself at one point having to make a decision, you know, um, are you are you going to step off the edge of that cliff or are you actually going to come back to life and actually build a life? And it was it was touch and go for a while there. But um, I did in the end decide that, you know, life was the way I wanted it to be and, and it was going to be different because now I had been forced to look in the mirror and, and actually so okay so who am i what's important to me you know what do i actually need to be doing here um and for, for the first time in my 42 years it became important to me that you know to to think about myself and developing myself and getting to know myself better and it wasn't about building a career and it wasn't about you know work and wealth and all of those things that you know today's consumer society tells us is important none of that is important really um and once you start thinking about that and you stop listening to all that should you know should is the least helpful word in the english language you start thinking about what do i want what do i need 
not what does the whole world think I should have and should be and should do, then um, things shift a bit. So, but it's interesting, you know, we talk about how the universe will conspire with us once we make a decision to move in a particular direction. Um, and that, just the, the, the story of how my, my, my current wife and I met is a, an example of that. And both of us did something really out of character that led to our meeting. We both subscribed to an online dating forum. <laughs> Neither of us had ever done anything like that before. Uh, nor ever would again, I have to say. <laughs> but, oh, you but don't have to now. <laughs> yeah, it brought us together. It, it actually, we would never have met otherwise, uh, but we did. And, and we spent the best part of a year just being friends, building a friendship, because neither of us was in a hurry to rush into anything. So we thought, you know, let's just be friends and see what happens. Well, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, I do believe in the universe, you know, probably planting that seed in both of you at that time so that you could, you could come together. So but going back a little bit to what you were doing, I guess, at that time, um, the inner work and how did you cultivate that self-awareness and how important do you think that is? Like, can you share a little bit of what you actually did do? Yeah. I, 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 I spent a fair bit of time just completely on my own. Um, I didn't have very many friends around me at the time. Um, I didn't have any family. They were all the other side of the planet. And um, it was just me. So I spent a f quite a lot of time just in self-reflection. Um, and, and what I saw when I was thinking about that, uh, what I saw that the person that I had become, I didn't like very much. I didn't like that very much at all. Um, and so I thought, you know, is that really me or is that some other thing that, you know, some act that I've been, uh, I've been playing or, you know, what's, well, what is that about? So I started to, to explore all of that. And, you know, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people have that kind of self-loathing almost, that feeling of, you know, self-disgust. Well, I had all that and I thought, this isn't healthy. You know, if I go down that track, it's going to destroy me. So what's the truth? What is the truth? Is it this, this, this miserable, horrible person that I'm looking at in the mirror and I don't like very much, or is there something else? And it took me quite a while to, to, to actually firstly decide that that isn't the truth of who I am. Um, I don't know what the truth of who I am is, but it's not that. So let's 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 try and figure out what it is. And it, it did take a long time to actually dig a little deeper and to actually start to find something a little bit more positive and a little bit more um well, let's say something that I liked a bit better. Um but you know, two thousand and five, so that's probably five years after all of this has happened, I actually went and did um a seminar. Uh, personal development seminar, which actually started to open all this stuff up to me. Um, and so that was really, I suppose, uh, when I became consciously aware um, that there was more and that I could actually access that and I could find out the truth um, of who I am. And that would lead me then to 
what I needed to be and to do and to have in my life from that point forward. So well, it thank was you a for long, sharing, slow Bernard. process. Yeah, yeah, it is. And thank you for sharing. That's a vulnerable story. And I, yeah, I love that you, you took that time. I mean, it sounded like it did take a, a while and there was a dark time that you're going through. Um, do you think that you could, you could have done it on your own or do you think that it is good to reach out to, for the structure of like say that seminar initially that opened the doors and the gates for you to be able to do it yourself? Yeah, well, I did it on my own pretty much. Um, but what I can say with the benefit of 2020 hindsight is that if I had known somebody um, that was trained in the in the um, in the business of life coaching, and I had spoken to that person in about 1999 or 2000, it would have short circuited a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of struggle that I went through over that five year period. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a friend that I could talk to. I didn't have a family member that wasn't even. Well, I had bumped into somebody that claimed to be a life coach. And quite frankly, he was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was no help. But yeah. if I had somebody that I could have spoken to, frankly, about this stuff and to actually who could have said to me, um, hold on a second, you know, just just stop where you are and just take a look, you know, at what's going on, where, where you're at right now. That could have guided me a bit through that process. As I say, it would have short-circuited five years of really, really deep struggle and some of that was really unpleasant mm. um, but i suppose you know having said that um the unpleasantness of having plumbed those depths has actually given me a lot of experience that i now use when i'm working with other people um i i, I often I, I do see their pain and i do understand their struggle because i've been there and you know that's one of the things that uh, if you're going to have those experiences um then uh, they do set you up uh, to work very effectively uh, as a coach because you understand you understand yeah yeah i agree i believe yeah that it does give you empathy and i know when we both studied ecology with kane ramsey and he talks about jumping in the hole with your client or with the person that you're trying to help uh, and i think you can only really do that well if you've actually been in the hole yourself yeah he's right yeah, mm. absolutely mm. yeah do you think that uh then that is why you are a life coach now and a leadership coach because of oh, you want to help be. people. I mean, what it, what I discovered um, when I finally got all the, the the old rubbish and stuff out of the way, and I looked at you know, what's actually true for me, what what I want to do in my life. It what it came back to was that I am interested in people, and I care about people, and when I see people struggling. Um, particularly struggling with stuff that I've already struggled with. And I know that there's an answer to that. Uh, and I know that there is a way for them to um, wake up to themselves, to become aware of themselves, to figure out what it is that they want uh, and they need and they want to be and they need to do and they need to have in their life. Well, I can help them with that. And I want to do that. Um, you know, when I start to, to dig into what's really important to me, um, the overriding value that I find in myself is love. And that comes back to um, service. Service is part of that. And compassion and empathy is part of that. And so, you know, I want to help people. 
I want to help people to be the best that they can. And I want them to be able to live their best life without all of that struggle, uh, because I know how unpleasant that is and how, how, uh, how depressing it can be. And, and, and I know it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Definitely. Yeah. And thank goodness that we have, you know, people like you and, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing as well to make people suffering less, um, be, you know, a cheerleader in their corner and help them to actually see what they do like about themselves and, you know, what are their values and what are the things that are holding them back. Uh, and we've got some great tools to be able to do that. So it's good. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, one of the things I discovered fairly early on was that, you know, in life, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And so, you know, if you can help someone to understand that and to look at, you know, no matter how bad your situation is, there's always something you can do. You can't change the situation. You can't control what life throws at you, but you can choose how you choose to feel about it. You can control that. So, and that comes back to what we were talking about, that mindset. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting, the more I, I look, I think about mindset and it really is a set, isn't it? It's something that our mind is set in. And if we can even be aware of where that set is, then we have the opportunity to start to shift it and push it into more positive territory if that's what we desire. All right. So I want to talk now a little bit about balanced living and advice, and I'm sure you've got some good uh, advice around this given your experiences and, and all of that. So how do you balance pursuing your goals with maintaining a sense of self-worth and your overall well-being? Well, the, the goals that I have in life shift over time. And so what I'm looking at not so, isn't so much day-to-day -day goals and working on goals. It's more about having um, a purpose for my life and the goals that I have along the way are just steps that I'm taking to get me further towards achieving that purpose. So, you know, I know I I I don't spend a whole lot of time fixated on goals and actions and things like that. I'm thinking more about what's my purpose? Why what, what am I here for? Why am I on this planet right now? Um and like I said to you just now, it comes down to service there are a whole lot of people out there who are really struggling they're in the dark they don't understand what life's about particularly um, and some of them are aware of that they're beginning to reach out because they know that where they're at right now is unpleasant it's dark it's depressing it's not where they want to be but they don't know what to do about it those are the ones that i can help Unfortunately, there's a whole lot more who are stuck and they don't understand that there could be something different. They're in, they're in all of that um, and they're, 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 there's nothing in particular that I can do about that. I can't really help them. But for the ones that are there, that are reaching out, that are thinking about um, what could I do? How can this be better? There must be more to life than this. Well, the answer is yes, there is. Um, and I can help you to find it. But, you know, that's what drives me every day. So it's not so much goals, it's more a general purpose. I think earlier in life, um, it's probably a good idea to have a few goals, things that you're actually aiming for, um, and to actually uh, have a plan for how you're going to achieve those goals. Um, but 
know, personally, I think I've moved a bit, a bit beyond that. There are a, a few little things, but nothing I would say that's a goal that I'm working on right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Um, but I think it's also what you're saying is, is if you know, I guess what your purpose in life is, then everything will harmonize and be more balanced because you're sort of working towards something that's bigger even than your goals and yeah and yeah. that's another big thing that we we do in life coaching is really try and find what is your purpose you know what is your what are you here for yeah and... exactly right you know working with somebody when i'm working somebody through a, a coaching program something that's come to me because they have understood that they're stuck and they don't like it and they want more and they know that there could be more they just don't know how to get it well the first question I ask them is life's hardest question number one, which is who are you? And I don't mean what's your name, where do you live, what do you do for a living or any of those sorts of things. I mean, who are you in your heart? And what that comes down to is your personal values. You know, what are your values? What are the principles that guide you, that, 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 that drive the decisions you make, the actions that you take and the outcomes that you achieve as well? You know, what do you believe about yourself and, your, and the world and your place in it? You know, what are your hopes, your fears, your dreams, all of those sorts of things? Answer all that, and we start to get a bit of a handle on who you are, really. And once you've got that, then we'll ask him life's hardest question number two, which is basically, what do you want? Um, so that could be rephrased, I suppose, as well. Now that you know who you are, what does that mean in terms of how you want to show up in the world and what you want to be and to do in your life from this point forward? That's a really big question, and that's one that most people never go to. They never get to it. And if you don't know what you want, there's no way you can get it. And that's why most people are unhappy. They don't have what they want and what they need in their lives because they don't know what that is. Yeah. And yeah. they don't know what that is because they don't know who they are. And so yeah. Yeah, that's the process. Yeah, so true. And, you know, my next question is really talking about um, considering that both financial and broader aspects of wealth, what advice can you give for a balanced and fulfilled life? And that's what I think a lot of people get stuck in that area and just thinking that it's about paying off the mortgage, you know, accumulating financial wealth, but they're not focusing on the other areas of their life that will ultimately be more fulfilling for them. Right. So that, that's the first question, you know, once you get past that, who are you? What do you want? It's not just not what do you want, it's what do you need to have in your life? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, and, and, you know, part of that would be, well, do you want that house? Do you need the, that, that mortgage? Is that really important to you? Because if it is, then that's something that you're going to focus on, uh, on achieving. You know, you're going, you're going to work to pay the mortgage. The difference then is that, Instead of thinking, oh, I have to pay that mortgage, it's like a huge duty that's laid on your shoulders. If you've changed your mindset and you say, I've decided that is my choice, that's what I want, then all of that goes away. You know, you're doing that because you choose to. You're in the driving seat. There's nobody there saying, you must do this. <laughs> Get yourself to work. You must. You should. You have to. No, all that's gone. You're doing it because you choose to. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that 
think very carefully about your career and don't waste your time working in a career that you hate if you wake up in the morning with a sinking feeling of oh god i've got to go to work today you're in the wrong career get out do something that actually fits with that truth of who you are in your heart love what you do and do what you love because if you don't you're going to be miserable and you might make lots of money but lots of money does not equate to being happy in your life very sage advice and very wise uh, I, I i knew though there will probably be people thinking that what else are they going to do how are they going to make the money to pay for their life and life is expensive right now mm. so do you have any advice for for that yeah i do right up front stop worrying about that first think about what you want and what you need who are you what do you want get that straight first because you know the big house and the two cars and the boat and you know all of those sorts of things well maybe you're acquiring those things or you think you need to acquire those things because you're carrying around a whole heap of should you know do you actually want those things clear that up first if you do then you can answer life's hardest question number three. Well, okay, how can you get it? All right. So this is when you start to make a plan which says, okay, I know who I am. I know what I want now. I'm going to make a plan to actually acquire the things that I need to have in my life. But I'm going to be in the driving seat of that. I'm going to be doing it because I choose to, not because there's somebody saying, you should, you must. You know, there's the difference. But the chances are that when you actually look at your life and you think about all of the things that are really important to you, you might understand that you, know, you actually don't want all those things. You've only been struggling to get them because you thought you should, because that's the way society has guided you up till now. No one's ever actually said to you before, hang on, stop, think. They've said, here it is. We've got it all laid out for you. This is how life should be. Just look at the the ads on TV, you know. That's that's showing you um, what you need to have in your life. And if you don't have those things, you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's called marketing. But, you know, if you wake up to yourself and you actually answer that question, what's really important to me, then, you know, the, the, your priorities will shift. Yeah, yeah, well, you're shifting my mind mindset just talking to you now, Bernard. <laughs> I can really see how yeah, if we really dig deep into what is really important to us, then maybe all of the stuff will will disappear or it will be there, but it's it really is something that we we deeply desire and so then, you know, we're happy to put in the work to get it. So Right, exactly yeah. right. But you know, if you think about that, that you know, you've decided but having the big house and all the rest of it is important to you, there'll be a reason for that. It won't be just because you want the big house on the hill and all of that sort of stuff. There'll be a reason why that's important to you. So there's the difference. It's not just about materialism. It's not just about consumerism. It's because there's a good reason why that fits with you and who you are and what you want to do with your life. So, you know, there's a huge difference. So instead of carrying around a whole heap of stress about that big mortgage and all the rest of it, 
you're now carrying around something much more positive, which is to say, I'm on my way. I've got a plan. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And you're actually working towards it. And you you get a sense of fulfillment out of that. So that's another important point, because what I would say is never bother chasing happiness. Chasing happiness is a lot like chasing rainbows in the hope that you'll find a pot of gold at the end of one. Happiness is a fleeting emotional state. Go for fulfillment in life so that you feel that you're achieving your purpose. So before you do that, obviously, you've got to know what your purpose is. Figure that out and go for it. And what you'll find along the way somewhere is that as you work towards achieving fulfillment, almost as if by surprise one day you'll find that happiness has come along. It's there. You have it. You know, you weren't striving for it. It's just become a part of your life. You make it sound all so easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's simple, yeah. but it's not easy. I know, I know. <laughs> There's but the that's, difference. Yeah, totally. <laughs> a lot of people, I think, confuse simplicity with easiness. They're not yeah. the same thing. It yeah. is simple. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just need to unpack it all. Oh, so legacy and impact. So do you think, have you made the impact on the world that you that you want to? Or is there more impact that you would like to do in terms of enhancing your worth, your wealth, or your well-being for yourself and others? Oh, look, I, I think the work that I do right now, um, I know that I've helped quite a few people in my time, um, and I'm not done yet. Um, I'm going to help a few more yet before I pack up and <laughs> call it a day. So... Um, you know, that's really what I came you know, back to. You know, my purpose, you know, is about service to others, and, and uh, so that's not going to stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, legacy-wise, I I don't think too much about that. I I don't really. I'm not really concerned with, you know, once I'm gone, who's going to remember me? You know, that doesn't matter, uh, because you know. In my time, I will have had an impact on people. Um, and a lot of that I'm not going to actually know about. Um, I know from my own experience that the work that I do with people, I don't actually see the result of that unless by some chance I bump into that person years afterwards um, and, 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 and I can see and they tell me about you know, <laughs> the, the successes that they've had and how they've changed their life and all the rest of it. So, you know, legacy isn't, isn't hugely important to me, but knowing that I've um, had an impact on, uh, on that person and um, as a result of their encounter with me, uh, they've been able to live a more authentic life and they've actually started to achieve some fulfillment in their life. Well, that, that uh, just that knowledge is, is enough. Yeah. And once you know, uh, if you impact one person, then they go on to impact all the people in their world. And so really it's a ripple effect of, of impact. So yeah, it's, that's good. And I, I like that legacy. Yeah. That you're, you're doing it just for the, really the, fulfilling your purpose it's not because you need the accolades or anything like that to say yeah i know on your website i'm not a guru <laughs> you're a little bit of a guru <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm just an ordinary guy who's been there and done that and you know i share my experiences um but i don't actually solve people's problems for them when people come to me for coaching, they come with all sorts of questions and all sorts of problems and all sorts of situations that they find themselves in. They don't just 
bring their questions and their problems. They also bring their answers and their solutions. And my job is to help them to find those things. Um, they already have it, but just don't know how to find it. So that's um, that's one of the things that as a coach, that's what we do. Um, yeah. But, you know, I talk about um, coaching, but I, I also um, do a fair bit of, of um, mentoring of people in leadership positions, but I take them on exactly the same journey. Because when you're in a leadership position, leadership is all about people. If you don't understand people, you can't lead them. And it starts with yourself. So I, I start in the same place. You know, somebody comes to me, um, they're in a new uh, leadership role. They don't know what they're doing. So, right, first question, who are you? Let's go there first. And it's the same as for, as for a coaching process. You know, who are you in your heart? What are your values? You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Hopes, fears, dreams, beliefs, all of that. Clear all that up. Once you've got that, we can start to think about, okay, so what do you want? <laughs> okay, clear that up. Let's figure that out in terms of purpose. Now, how does that fit into your role as a leader? Are you interested in people? Do you want to lead people? Do you want to help people so that they can achieve their best? Because if the answer to that is no, you're in the wrong role. Get out of there. Go and do something else. Don't be a leader. If you want to lead people, if you want to help people, then now you're starting to do it from a place of mindfulness. Now you start to understand. It's part of your purpose. And in that place, you can actually become a really effective leader and you can actually help your people. Because leadership is a service role. It's a servant role. It's not about being the boss. It's not about throwing your weight about. It's not about wielding authority. And there are too many people in the world today who think that because they have that title, leader or manager or some other such thing, that means they have to throw their weight about and they have to be the boss. Wrong. Big mistake. That's not what it's about. I'm sure that's landing with a few people <laughs> on both sides of the coin, hopefully. <laughs> so if you could change one thing about the world overnight, what would it be and why? <laughs> right. That would be uh, <laughs> that the, the the one major thing I think that that um, that people don't understand is that they do have a choice. If you don't know who you are, then other people can push you around. They can say it should be like this. You should be doing this. This is how you need to behave. Oh, okay. You become less likely to listen to somebody who's saying to you, it's got to be like this. And you become more inclined to think about it. You know, why is there so much conflict in the world today? It's fear-based. We're afraid of the other but my experience has been that when we reach out and we bump into people that we don't know, um, who look scary, who come from a cultural background which is radically different to ours, who don't speak our language, the tendency is to be afraid of them and fear leads to conflict. But if you actually stop that and you reach out and you actually listen to that person, look in that person's eyes, and understand that what you're faced with here is another human being. Well, 
then you have an opportunity to actually understand a little bit. And with understanding, the fear starts to go. And once the fear is going, the conflict goes as well. You know, mm. there is too much conflict in the world today. There's too much uh, misunderstanding, too much fear of the other. Um, so if, if there was one thing that I could change, it would be that. Um, it would be that. Yeah, I think that's um, a beautiful thing. And I think it really does start with that self-awareness. You know, if we understand ourselves better, then, you know, we can understand what choices we want to make. And then mm. we also probably have, have more space to be able to listen deeply to other people as well because we're not scared of you know the, the unknown and you know what's happening and distrust and all of that so yeah exactly right but you know there's a whole lot of um, disagreement that goes on um, disagreement is fine there is no problem with disagreement the problem comes when it deepens into conflict uh, you know you can disagree over things that's that, that's good you know, particularly you'll see it in uh, in government, you know, that there's disagreement within the government ranks. Well, you know, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> if they all agree with each other, what have we got? We've got a bunch of yes men, you know, nobody's, you know, you're not going to get the best decisions out of that. But if there's disagreement, then there's lots of different opinions and those opinions can be put out there and talked about and listened to and examined. And, and, and from that, the best course of action can be put together. So there you are. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bernard. I really appreciate, I think, you know, you've given us some incredible insights there and a lot of wisdom and the gems that I know you've delivered to me over the, over the time of knowing you. So I hope everyone has thoroughly enjoyed listening to, to this uh, interview. Was there anything that you wanted to add or, you know, can you let my audience know where they can find you if they interested in life coaching with you or leadership coaching or yeah i know you have a blog as well that is quite interesting <laughs> i do i haven't actually written anything on there for a while i've been busy doing some other things but yes i i think um i do have a website um it's at uh, bernardcates.com um i went through all sorts of nice website names and all the good ones were already taken so i thought well, i'll just stick with the basics go with my name uh, bernardcates.com so there's a fair bit of information up there uh, about who i am and what i do um, so have a read of that um, and um, i like to talk to people so um, if you do visit my website and you think that's interesting and you'd like to get in touch please do you know drop me a line or um, book up a, um, a discovery session with me and let's talk because you know i do like to talk to people um, so and I can vouch for that. You sure do, Bernard. When you're not on your lawnmower, that's another one of your favourite things to do, mowing your acres. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning the art of meditating whilst driving a ride on lawnmower. <laughs> Excellent. It sounds idyllic to me. Well, thanks. thank you. I really do appreciate you being here. And I will leave all your details in the, uh, in the show notes as well. But I uh, appreciate your time today and I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Good. Thanks very much, Emma. It was a great pleasure. Thanks for joining It's a Mindset. If you found this episode valuable, consider sharing it with friends. Add it to your Instagram stories, tag me at Emma Lagalo, or simply spread the word. Follow me on Instagram for updates and share your topic suggestions. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review to help us reach more listeners. Remember, anything is possible when you put your mind to it. Thanks for listening.